You're listening to Tech Thursday on West Limerick 102 FM. Hello there and you're very welcome to Tech Thursday. This is Patrick Sheehan. I'm going to be with you for the next hour or so, looking at all the latest in tech and answering any questions you might have. As always, you can call 069-66200 if you have any tech-related questions, uh, or you can text or WhatsApp 0871-669800, or you can email myself, patrick102fm at gmail.com, and uh, I'll answer any tech-related questions you might have in the next show. Starting off with, we have a question from Alan in Newcastle West. Alan got a new PC, and he said the PC um, came with a mouse and keyboard. And uh, they were a wireless mouse and keyboard, but he doesn't like the keyboard. And he doesn't want to go back to his old one because it was really old, so he wants to get a new mechanical keyboard. And he said specifically mechanical keyboard. So I know that uh, some people are, are fans of more mechanical keyboards, like the old typewriter style, say a longer key, uh, a more clicky sound. So you know some of the more modern ones have very shallow typing and you can accidentally press buttons that you're not intended to press and some people really just prefer the feel of an old-fashioned kind of mechanical keyboard uh, so I decided to have a look and I found an article about the best mechanical keyboards uh, and see what it says uh, brief introduction so, so switch is a component that registers each key press um, available in many different varieties which roughly breaks down into three categories oh yeah so this is really <laughs> clicky switches which make a big audible click sound when you press them uh, the most famous example is the cherry mx blue switch so these are sometimes referred to as blue switches often recommended as the best switch for typists but have the disadvantage of being the loudest switch type uh, tactile switches also known as brown switches after Cherry MX Brown, uh, these switches have a small bump and you can feel, uh, as you press them, a nice halfway house. Linear switches, aka red switches, linear switches have no bump or click, they just feel completely smooth, generally recommended as a gaming switch. Uh, so the typing ones you don't need out and out speed if you're writing but it feels more uh, satisfying to type and it's better for writing and things like that but if you're going for speed and lack of sound as well I suppose here in the radio station we'd want quiet keyboards in the in the studios and things like that uh, so the sound if you if they're pressing if, say if I was pressing the keyboard here it wouldn't be making noises as I'm on air and things like that but out in the office we might want the other ones uh, the because there might be a lot more typing involved and, and different things as we're, as we're uh, working in our day so it all depends on the situation you're in uh, hot swappable switches switches that can be removed with a single pulling tool without desoldering ideal if you want to change a keyboard's feel without replacing the whole thing so I, I didn't even know you could do that so uh, QMK an open source keyboard firmware uh, that's powerful and customizable but uh, a little in, unintuitive for beginners I wonder is there a keyboard that has like shallow keys and then you can pull a lever or press a switch or something that lifts the keys up and then you have a longer travel keys <laughs> that would be like a multi-purpose keyboard would be quite handy uh, key pa key cap profile describes the shape of a set of keycaps uh, cherry is a popular option that looks very traditional other includes uh, mt3 dcx and mda um 
So there's lots of different north-facing switches. When a keyboard switches are orientated with the LED cutout towards the back, which better illuminates shine through legends. Uh, South-facing switches. When a keyboard switches have the LED cutout at the front to avoid interference with cherry profile keycaps. So th- this gets very deep into it anyway. But let's see some of the best mechanical keyboards. Um, they obviously know what they're talking about anyway, since they go into fierce depth with it there. So the number one is the Keychron V1, uh, the best wired keyboard for most people in 2022. Uh, the Keychron V1 is our best pick of the best entry-level wired keyboard, starting at $84. So they're not cheap, even for an entry-level. I know 84 mightn't seem like that much for compared to phones or something, but it is a, you know you can buy a keyboard for a tenner, like so it's still eight times the price of one of those. <laughs> so it must it it would want to be pretty good. Um, for a fully assembled model, it's one of the more affordable options on this list, but it feels almost as nice to type as any of the keyboards costing twice as much. And its build quality is lovely and sturdy. It also sounds amazing with no discernible stabilizer rattle. And its 75% layout offers a nice mix of compactness with sacrificing without sacrificing too much, uh, too many important keys. Uh, it's packed with features found on enthusiast keyboards. Um, it's offers it offers hot swappable switches with south-facing RGB backlighting, and its switches and stabilizers feel nice and smooth. It's fully programmable. You can remap every key using the intuitive and powerful VIA software on top of QMK. That would actually be handy because I have a keyboard I got um, from China, like a gaming one, but some of the buttons don't match up and things like that to where I'd normally like them the at key and some of the other ones and uh, I would like to be able to reprogram some of them all right it would be handy but I don't know if I could pop off the key and swap it to somewhere else if that would work on the keyboard I have uh, because it was just uh, like 12 or 13 quid or something (laughs) so I probably not Um, but that's number one anyway um, you can get it with volume knob uh, for an extra $10 pictured or save $20 and buy a bare bones version without keycaps or switches uh, our sam- sample came with its own tactile K brown switches but uh, they are also clickier and linear options so it's customizable so you can you can change it around number two is the Keychron uh, Q1V2, the best premium wired keyboard of 2022. Uh, Q-series have impressed us by offering the quality and features of expensive limited-run boards on an off-the-shelf model. Yes, they are expensive, but the standard standards of PC accessories, but the sturdy aluminium construction, exceptional accessories, um, typing feel, and customizability mean they're competitive with keyboards several times more expensive. That makes them fantastic upgrade picks over Keychron V-Series, but not the first option most people should consider, especially since many of the Q-Series' most compelling features like VIA programming, hot swappability, and per-key per south-facing RGB backlighting are also available on V-Series boards. So these are, like, very customizable with RGB and everything, but um, I don't know if all this detail would be required. Like, I, I kind of would feel the same as our listener there. Uh, you know, it would be nice to have a nice mechanical keyboard, but I don't think I would go that in-depth about changing keys and all that stuff. This sounds like a real uh, keyboard uh, aficionado, but... Um, 
Yeah, how much is that? That one now. Uh, does it give a price? Oh, wait, it might give a price at the top. Uh, the other one is 94 on Amazon. Uh, the V2 is 170 quid. Um, so that's yeah, that's a lot to be paying for a keyboard. Uh, saying that now, I'm not big into the different types of keyboards and all the customizability and all that kind of stuff. Um, let's see, EPO Maker, yeah, EPO Maker HT80 is number three on the list. An excellent wireless keyboard. So if you want a wireless mechanical keyboard, it's 75% mechanical. Uh, so maybe the keys don't go super deep, but they go 75% as deep as some of the other ones. Uh, it also includes a 2.4 gigahertz wireless uh, USB dongle if you don't want to mess around with Bluetooth pairing uh, so you can also plug it in with a dongle so if you want a wireless uh, that might be handy actually uh, if you're, is it rechargeable or takes batteries I don't know it might it doesn't say that uh 75% uh, 80 yeah it doesn't say um but yeah, but the, all the, this article anyway is on theverge.com if you want to look up theverge.com mechanical keyboard. So that is number three. Number four is the A J A Jazz A Jazz A Jazz AK nine six six. This one looks cool. It's kind of a black keyboard body with different colored keys and stuff. It looks very nice. Um, it's one hundred and forty quid. So some of these are very expensive. These mechanical keyboards, but I suppose when you I suppose when you do look back at the other ones now it does look um uh, the first one that was 80 quid or something looks a bit cheaper compared to them but um yeah i suppose they are a kind of a oh hold on an affordable wired 65 percent keyboard at 30 euro less than the price of the key cron v1 and half the price of our topic uh this uh, $55 65% LTC Nimbleback so the LTC Nimbleback is the is the kind of cheapest one um, it punches well above its weight it's very full featured for its price with shine through RGB lighting and hot swappable switches it, uh, it even has a built in USB hub uh, with a pair of USB type A ports uh, plugged to accessorize into your computer so it has oh um you can plug stuff into the keyboard itself as well, say a mouse or something into it, which would be quite handy. Um, as you might expect, given the price difference, the LTC Nimbleback's construction isn't as solid as the Keychron V1 and doesn't feel as nice to type on as many of the picks above. Um, you know, when it comes to the construction and things like that, as long as it's not moving around, as long as it's not too light that it's moving around all the time, I've never broken a keyboard, you know what I mean? I've never... <laughs> It's never been like, oh, that keyboard is too weak. It just snapped in half. Like, uh, So it wouldn't bother me as much. Um, but I suppose if you are working on a keyboard all day and, you know, you might want to, it might be something you'd want to. I do use a keyboard uh, throughout the day, but I do bits and pieces. It's mostly the mouse I'd use more than the keyboard, really. Uh, for editing audio and doing things like that. But um, if you're a big... Uh, a writer or something and you're typing up stuff all the time or you're you're working all day on a keyboard um something like that might make a big difference all right and that's why people might get into it because they're they're spending you know eight hours a day using one of them so 
maybe that's the reason they would be so that would be the the budget entry into the uh, budget by their uh, by mechanical keyboard kind of customizable kind of standards would be that one the LTC Nimbleback uh, so it's it's up there with some of the good ones it's it's not as high rated but uh, it's pretty close and uh, it's um it's much cheaper so uh, the Nufi Air 75 a good low profile wireless mechanical keyboard so this is a kind of a more a compact one it doesn't take up too much space the keys are nicely close packed together and um it's another nice looking one it has the black background again and multicolored keys it has some keys are black some are white some are yellow the space bar is yellow uh, the enter button is red and this gate button is green so but it looks nice um that one is 109 euro <laughs> the next one the kinesis freestyle pro so this is a uh, two halves of a keyboard that are wired uh, together so you can have one half of the keyboard for one hand and one half for the other hand uh, that would take a lot of getting used to um but uh oh there's two space bars in it because the space bar is split in half so it's split right in the middle of the space bar so two halves and then you can type on either on both sides which are two hands a split ergonomic option uh, so it's a bit of a niche option but plenty of people swear by split keyboards which are designed to let you type with your hands uh, further apart and your shoulders in a more neutral position of these we recommend the, the Kinesis Freestyle Pro uh, kinesis 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 uh, so and that's 365 quid is that right uh, yeah they're not cheap but uh, oh, oh no 169 quid uh, they were talking about something else in the article oh there's another one the Moonlander or something uh, that's 365 quid so that's a run down there <laughs> I hope you're, uh, you might get something out of that uh, but you can look at that article on The Verge anyway if you wanted to see any more about it uh, mechanical keyboards I suppose if it's if it's something you're using a lot it would be um, I suppose you know uh, you can budget by how much you'd use it you know if you're if it's something you're using all the time and you really want to say you get wrist pain or something or it's something that you just have a better feel for then it might be worth investing in a, a more premium one if it's something you're not using that often but you still do want to get it then it, you might be more for the entry level one so um let's see some of the latest in tech um so the pixel watch so google have recently announced uh they started off with the google pixel well when it comes to actually they they had they were partnering up with like lg uh, i think motorola at one stage definitely lg anyway years ago uh, for like um, making a Google phone uh, they didn't call it a Pixel that time I think it was just a Google phone or something but uh, they they were using I remember I had a, like an LG G3 or G4 and the Google Pixel phone was almost identical um, or the Google phone at the time I forget what they called they had another name for it but I forget now but it was just pretty much an LG G3 I think with, with a different I think the specs were slightly less than the LG but it was much cheaper and that was their first kind of foray into having a, uh, their own kind of phone, even though it wasn't that time. But now they have they're building the phones themselves and all. Um, but now they they have a they have they brought in the earbuds then uh, a few years later, and 
they brought in the more budget earbuds and then they went to um, the watch uh, and the watch is the brand new one that's after that's coming out soon and their seventh version of the of the Google Pixel phone which is their own uh, made phone and which now has their Tensor chip as well which is their own made chip so all the parts are are made by themselves as well um, most of them anyway I don't, I don't know if their camera is and things like that or if they're using Sony sensors or what's the story there and their screens are probably Samsung as most of them are but I, I'm, I'm not sure of that either if they are making their own screens or not but um, yeah, they're adding to their portfolio now with the watch as well. So uh, with the Pixel, Pixel Watch set to debut on Thursday, Google has a chance to make up for lost time by giving Android smartphone users a worthy smartwatch and giving them a better reason not to switch to Apple products. Uh, on Thursday, Pixel... Now, there have been watches with Android software, Wear OS... It's good, but not great. It could definitely be better. It doesn't work as well as the phones. Um, and the, for some reason, whatever fo- whatever watches have um, the Wear OS on them never seem to have very long battery life for some reason. Um, I was I was talking probably on here as well about this a uh, couple of times with the one I have. And I was talking to a few other people that have much more expensive and much more varied um watches with Wear OS and it's all the same thing it's all like a day's battery to two days at the most for a lot of the different ones I spoke to people about anyway but then you can get like the Realme Watch 2 Pro or something like that that can do much of the same things it has the the heart rate monitor uh, blood oxygen sensor and you can answer your phone calls on it um, it doesn't have the speaker but the newer one the, the Realme Watch 3 Pro does and it has pretty much all the same stuff only it's not Google's proprietary software on it it's just their own built in software and it they can last 20 days plus a lot of them so it's really strange I actually stopped using my watch because I sometimes I'd forget to charge it and then it's dead and uh, I know like you do it with your phone anyway but um, I was so used to I was coming from the, the a watch that was lasting for nearly a month into a watch that was lasting a day and the charger it's a magnet charger so I got a stand for it and to just lay the watch onto it but it wasn't connecting properly sometimes and I'd wake up in the morning and it's dead it it hadn't charged and things like that Um, so it got a bit frustrating so I actually just went back to the to the smartwatch because it's it's doing if I'm uh, what I mostly use it for is like um blood oxygen and heart rate and music pretty much so if i'm out walking i can still play and pause my music i can turn the volume up and down i can change songs that's all i really want to do and the watch does that and it lasts the uh, for over 20 days so yeah i've gone back to that for the moment until something better comes along or something else but um we'll see now with their pixel watch what what will be the story uh, if they kind of refine the software because they were never they never got great reviews for um 
the any of the uh, the Wear OS software watches weren't the most user friendly. Apparently, the Apple watches were much more easy to use and things like that uh, when it came to user interface and things like that. But maybe now that they have their own product, uh, they might. And there is new versions and updates and all that coming out of Android Wear OS. Uh, they might improve on on uh, the software as well. So um, on Thursday, Google has a chance to make up for lost time by giving Android smartphone owners a worthy smartwatch and giving them a better ver- reason not to switch to Apple products. On Thursday, Pixel phones and watches will share the spotlight with smart home devices and other hardware um, in the Made by Google fall product launch event in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, If the Google device division succeeds, its smartwatch could encourage customers to stay in the Android fold, uh, stay in the Android fold, uh, the way Apple watches uh, made it hard for people to dump their iPhones. Uh, The Pixel watch could be missing, could be the missing ingredient in Google's lineup of devices and can help lock you into a world of products and services. Google has plenty of other products like thermostats, Wi-Fi routers, smart speakers, and network doorbells uh, that it can bring to the broad ecosystem competition. Expect to see a bunch of them at the Brooklyn event, but those don't keep Android users from uh, defecting to iPhones since the Google Home app that manages them runs fine on Apple products too. Uh, A watch, on the other hand, is more of a personal device. One of these things that is keeping people locked into Apple's ecosystem is once you buy an Apple Watch, it's really hard to leave, says the tech spinel analyst, a tech analyst, I guess, uh, Avi Greengart, noting that the Pixel Watch will play a critical role in the Made by Google event. This year, the iPhone surpassed devices running Android's uh, Google Mobile's mobile software for the first time since 2010. Uh, I presume that's in the US. Yeah, that's definitely in the US. It wouldn't be outside of the US. Um, it's the it's back as the number one. So the Android was ahead of. Uh, Android users were ahead of Apple users in the US for uh, since 2010, but Apple have taken the lead again. Um, Apple's phone dominance comes from advantages like strong product design. Because do you know why they're gone ahead again? Is because they did a cheaper version of the iPhone for like $399 or whatever it was, or $499. Uh, so people were able to get back in the entry level um, iPhones again. Because, uh, yeah, I think that that's made a big difference. Uh, with the big tech companies like Google and Amazon having created families of interconnected devices, they say here that no one does it better than Apple. Accessories like the Apple Watch and AirPods work harmoniously together, uh, reinforcing each other's strengths and discouraging people from dumping the, the one product or another. Uh, the Apple Watch only works with iPhones, making it hard for users who spend 400 quid on an Apple Watch Series 8 to switch to Android. Conversely, Google's Wear OS software hasn't caught on widely. Uh, Apple's watch OS uh, powered Apple Watches locked in 29% of global smartwatch shipments in the second quarter of 2022, making Apple the single biggest company by far. According to uh, CounterPoint research, while Android makers creating cutting-edge phones, not having strong smartwatch software made it hard to compete against Apple. Yeah, that's why even Samsung, uh, like, uh, I'm not a big fan of Samsung adding all their software onto phones, but when it comes to watches, they kind of had no choice because the Wear OS isn't great. 
um, I'm fr- having used it myself for a year uh, not a big fan of the of the how it works but apparently um, Samsung added their own skin on top of it to kind of make it a bit more usable but uh, Apple badly needed some major uh, rehaul of the of the um, uh, Wear OS um, software uh, on the Google Pixel so it'll be interesting to see how that goes now um, the first Apple Watch arrived in 2015, the year after Google announced its Wear OS software effort. Apple's initial sales uh, pitch was somewhat muddled. Uh, was the Apple Watch a useful digital timepiece or an expensive fashion accessory? But the company hit its stride with steady annual improvements that cemented its smartwatch as a tool for communication, health and fitness. Google struggled to achieve Wear OS success despite support from fashion brands such as Fossil and Michael Kors. Top Android phone uh, maker partner Samsung abandoned Wear OS for its own ties in OS instead. But they came back again, though, didn't they? They have the skin on top of that. That rift only began to heal when Samsung came back, yeah, to the Google Fold with the Galaxy Watch 4 in 2021. Yeah, uh, for the Google Pixel Watch to succeed, Google will need to give us a good reason to buy it, like superior AI features and integration with Android phones and Google services. That would help uh, not just Google's hardware division profits, but the whole Android world. Yeah, they really need to, to invest in the in sorting that software out. Uh, a good watch can now be as important as a good phone for customer loyalty. I would actually, I would argue that quite a few customers stayed with Apple because of the Apple Watch and not necessarily because of the iPhone, said Creative Strategies Analyst. Yeah, because there isn't a whole lot between them nowadays. Um, you know, if you have the, the top Samsung Galaxy, if you have, say, even the new um, uh, uh, Google Pixel, or the new one that's coming out again, and the iPhone with camera-wise functionality, all that there there isn't much in it in the top ones, and some would say Android would be ahead in some parts, and Apple would still be ahead in others, but it's it's pretty close. Uh, there's pretty much nothing in it, but the Apple Watch is is pretty much a good bit ahead of the of uh, Andro- any of the Android watches at the moment. So uh, let's see, will Google Pixel um the Pixel Watch be able to to make a big difference, uh, uh, and the software get upgraded. But that could, you know, that could help the other watches then as well if they can if they can use whatever the new software that Google is going to come up with for their own watch uh, on on those watches as well. It'll make a big difference. Um, more than half of people say they struggle to make porridge. <laughs> a survey by Quaker Oats found 16% have experienced a messy microwave explosion, with 31% saying they'd eat porridge more often if they knew how to make it properly. Uh, the poll also found 22% say they can't figure out the right ratio of oats to liquid. Experts are advising uh, two or more to one ratio of liquid to oats. Yeah, it's like you, you think when you're... Um, adding the milk you think it's much too watery and then you cook it and it's like dry hard <laughs> so it's like ah, i don't know but uh that's why the likes of ready break or one of these instant ones are handy as well they make it they make it a little bit easier uh twitter I, I, some of them actually have the the bags you kind of tear the top off of it and you pour in the oats and then you can pour the milk into the bag and there's a line on it to measure how much milk you need 
I saw that once. Uh, <laughs> handy, I suppose. Uh, Twitter confirms Musk must go ahead with $44 billion deal. Musk to go ahead. Yeah, so Elon Musk decided he didn't want all of the hassle anymore and he just, look, I'll just buy it at cost price or at the original price, even though the stock has kind of dropped since. But I think since he announced he was going ahead again, it went back up. Is it $54 or something it was, he offered? And it went way down. But now since he announced, oh, look, I'll just go ahead with it again, it went back up again to 52 or something. So, or far, yeah. Yeah, per uh, 44 billion total. Um, the original greed price, uh, 44.1 billion, just weeks before the scheduled start of a bitter court case over his uh, uh, efforts to withdraw from the deal. So he decided, look, I'm going to grow it anyway, and uh, I'm just going to clean up all the, the stuff that needs cleaning up, getting rid of all the bots and all that stuff. And he wants to make a, a lot of changes to it he wants to add payments a payments app to it or something as well like a, an all-in-one kind of app he's original he had an idea years ago what was it called i forget what it was called something x or something a webx or something i forget what it was called but he had original idea and he wants to kind of use twitter as the launching platform for that so and he wants to do big improvements on Twitter in the meantime, uh, kind of remove the political bias, as he calls it, and things like that, and uh, get rid of the bots, all the fake con. There is a lot of them, all right. Like, if I look through my own followers and things like that, there's a lot of John34812212, and you go in and they don't tweet anything, and they're not that active and things like that. There's a lot of, there's tons and tons of them. I'd say maybe a quarter of all my followers are just fake ones, and I didn't like what are you following me for you know kind of thing uh so it's very weird but um yeah that's how it that's how it goes uh what to expect from the launch event so we talked a little bit about that but let's see what's about the the google launch event it's coming up uh, they're going to be having a pixel 7 pixel 7 pro and with incremental upgrades uh so yeah they're going to have all new phones um the Tensor Chip G2. So yeah, last year they started using their uh, their their own uh, made chip. Uh, Google did, um, and now they're going to have the second generation of that uh, 50 megapixel camera sensor. Uh, it doesn't say if it's their own or if it's. I presume it's probably a Sony one or, or a Zeiss lens or something like that. Unlike the base Pixel 7, however, leaked specs in, in indicate the 7 Pro could also come with a 48 megapixel telephoto lens. Oh, yeah, I saw some leaks the other day about that. They said it could have a five time zoom, the second lens. Uh, yeah, so uh, on the on the top one, the, the Pro version. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see the, the official specs of all these things. Uh, the launch of uh, Google's first watch, yeah, we just talked about that. Uh, anything else? Uh, more buds as well. A slightly more powerful tensor chip. Uh, yeah, another look at Google Pixel tablet. So there's going to be a new tablet maybe. Uh, Ford foldable on the cards rumors about a mysterious pixel foldable or two have been seen around the last year and we've seen no sign of this device so far though uh, recent leaks indicate Google is working on just one device and it could fold vertically like the Samsung Galaxy Fold Z Fold so we'll have to wait and see uh, what about smart home hardware uh, they revealed two new desk devices uh, Nest devices uh, a couple of days before the Pixel launch event so we might not see any new smart home tech announced during this presentation uh, so there mightn't be 
Yeah, so that's it. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, the look, the lookout for electricity supply is challenging, which could lead to widespread power outages. The outlook, sorry, the lookout, the outlook for uh, electricity supply is challenging, which could lead to widespread power outages. Airgrid's latest generation capacity statement says demand is outstripping supply, potentially leading to more regular outages over the next decade. It also found Irish power plants are deteriorating in availability. Energy economist with the ERSI, ESRI, I always see ERSI, ESRI, Mwiran Lynch, says power outages are more likely than ever, providing nothing changes. What it's essentially finding is that the capacity shortage that we're looking at for this winter, it is going to get worse before it gets better. Now, you can never say for sure whether or not there will be outages. You can only talk in a probabilistic way. But given the shortages that we're seeing coming down the line, that would say that blackouts are far more likely than they've ever been unless something big changes on the supply side. Yes, there's a problem is when... Uh, obviously there's more people around all the time there's more technology everything like that so more electricity is needed but the new technology the renewable technology has a kind of a lower output the likes of wind and solar and things like that would have a lower output than traditional methods of you know the your your coal and things like that uh, of generating electricity so uh, it's it's there's a there's a balance to be found there uh, unfortunately uh, if if the, the the needs are to be met for electricity and things like that uh, also it depends on what it's weather dependent things like that but the likes of hydroelectricity and things like that uh, need to be maintained because it's a constant you know the flow of water and things like that is a constant if it can be harnessed uh, more in more places and offshore kind of uh, wind generation and things like that maybe battery technology to back that up as well for storage I was reading about in um, in like California in America they have outages because uh, at night time um, the the obviously the, there's no light and they're very solar dependent and the electricity goes down at night sometimes there's power outages at night they ask you to turn off your your devices and your air conditioners and things like that at night time uh, because the 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 they don't have a huge uh, battery storage and things like that so they rely on the electricity coming from the solar panel so yeah it's very it's very important uh but uh the needs do need to be <coughs> met people need to you know wash their clothes and cook their dinners and things like that so however it needs to be done um i suppose as the renewable energy gets more efficient it will be better but in the meantime i suppose it needs to be supplemented with uh, traditional energy production methods uh until you know, um, the, it can be as as high renewable as possible. Uh, that's always the aim, I suppose. Uh, so let's see. One way to save money on Netflix, HBO Max, and other streaming services. So we do, well, this is an American thing, but uh, we don't have. I don't think we have HBO Max here, but we have um, Paramount and Disney Plus and Netflix and Sky and all the other ones. Uh, so this is giving tips on how to um, how to save. 
uh, on your subscriptions. Think about this. You subscribe to one or more services like Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, HBO Max, stream until your favorite series ends each run and then look at the next thing to watch. But is it worth keeping multiple subscriptions active if you're not actively watching any of them? Uh, I don't think so. Here's a breakdown of our money-saving strategy. Uh, rotate your streaming services. I kind of agree with this in some ways, actually, because I got in Disney Plus and I watched all, watched back all the kind of um, the Marvel movies and all that kind of stuff and any other Disney stuff. And I watched a couple of series that I wanted to watch, and I kind of it kind of ran out then, and I didn't renew it. I hadn't it said I had it set up just for one month, uh, and I kind of had watched everything that I wanted to watch. In maybe I did a couple of months, but I had kind of watched everything I wanted, and I kind of let it lapse for a while. And I was watching stuff on the other service. I, I kind of did it without intentionally doing it that way, but it just kind of worked out that way. I said, "Yeah, I kind of have everything. There's nothing really I want to watch, so I won't bother renewing." But uh, so this is actually a tip that they're giving uh, for card cutters leaving pricey cable packages behind in favor of streaming is a win for the wallet because you're able to sign up for monthly plans it's easy uh, to jump into a streaming service and jump out when prices increase or content dries up yeah that's another reason I didn't actually renew uh, is because the price went up as well uh, 20 quid or something for the year according to Deloitte's 2022 media trends report the biggest reason people cancel their streaming subscriptions are because of pricing and lack of fresh content media companies call this behavior churn uh, we're calling this the rotation method. Uh, the benefits, you save cash and avoid content droughts. Uh, let's say uh, a hot title like House of the Dragon or Real Housewives is set to premiere on the service. Note the total episode count and wait until they're all available at once on the platform. Uh, you cancel your HBO, Disney Plus or other service and then once the episodes are available, resubscribe to catch up on your favourites. Alternatively, you can start... But the only thing is, it's like House of the Dragon now is going on. Um, if I... Um, if I so I really want to watch that, but I'm going to wait till all the episodes are available and then I'll subscribe and watch them. There's too many spoilers available on social media to be ruined, and you can't just block everybody that talks. Oh, that was a great episode. This one died, and this one got married, and this one this happened, and this one had a baby. Or whatever. You can't. Uh, you can't. Um, just avoid it uh, uh, spoilers and everything uh, so you kind of have to watch them as they're coming out as well which is a kind of a, I suppose that's why they do it as well but um, um, yeah I, but I understand with some other shows that aren't being talked about there's you know there's often shows that you don't hear much about but that are really good shows but you hear they're on and but you don't get overly spoilers but big shows like House of the Dragon and things like that you're going to hear about it um, alternatively, you can start streaming a show mid-season to cut costs. Well, that's another way. Yeah, wait till there's a couple of episodes out and then subscribe. Wait till there's, you know, three or four. My monthly guide to which streaming service to cancel can help you keep up. The downside, you won't have immediate access to every show you want uh, to watch. You will have to wait until the full season airs. And since many streaming services release new weekly episodes rather than all at once, you might not be caught up at the, the same time as your friends. If you're something, someone who prefers to watch episodes immediately when they drop, you may decide it's worth to have multiple subscriptions at a time. If you have patience, however, you can save some money. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I, I kind of got the... Um, 
I got that new Paramount one to try out because it's kind of cheaper than the other ones as well. Is it only four ninety nine a month or something, or five ninety nine? Uh, not sure, but um, it's okay though. There isn't an awful lot. I I feel if I don't find myself going back to it that often, so I I might unsubscribe again. I'll have to see. But yeah, there you know, if you add them all up, they're they're expensive. You know, uh, sign up for streaming. Uh, so uh, tip number one: cancel your streaming subscription before getting charged. Set calendar reminders for your billing cycle and upcoming TV show or uh, movie release dates. Give yourself enough warning to begin or end a subscription. Apps such as Just Watch, V Time and Hobie help you to track which um, when uh, the TV shows and movies will appear on a streaming service and Just Watch recently added tracker specifics for sports so just uh, that's handy I didn't know about those Just Watch V Time and Hobie they're different apps uh, that will let you know when movies are coming up um, now I don't know about on different services but sometimes they're they're the same on in different countries and things, but sometimes they're not. Uh, look for discounts on streaming services. For example, Stars is offered at a special rate of three dollars per month for six months, which cuts its regularly monthly rate down uh, of nine dollars uh, down to a third of the price. You can also take advantage of Disney Bundle, which provides you access to Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus in one package for a reduced price. And eligible Hulu subscribers can add Disney plus for three dollars lastly be sure to check with your mobile carrier to see which ones offer free streaming subscriptions yeah that's what i got i got i signed up for my uh, i got one of the streaming services for free with my internet package so that's handy uh, no, tip number three pick one or two default streamers Subscribe to one or two must-have services for the year and select one or two more options to fit your monthly budget. Rotate the bonus services accordingly, uh, what you want to watch. That's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, I have one subscribed that I pay the annual one because it's cheaper to do it that way and then the rest I'm rotating kind of. Uh, ensure you don't miss your favorite shows while sticking to your monthly spending cap. Uh, stick to your monthly billing avoid annual subscriptions and pay well <laughs> I've done one but because I, I got it cheaper than paying for the monthly and I was going to keep it anyway so pay attention to your auto renewal payment dates yeah I got caught with that the other day um, my Sony subscription thing just auto renewed itself uh, so I got caught with the bill for the annual ones it was when I wasn't expecting it uh, so I kind of set a reminder now on my phone for next year to let me know a few days before it uh, so I can decide if I want to do it or not and not auto I could probably go into the website actually and turn off the auto renew part of it or something or just cancel it and it'll keep going until the end of the year and then let me know uh, tip number five don't cancel your streaming service pause it okay Hulu allows you to pause your subscription for up to 12 weeks and Sling has a similar option with stipulations check your streaming provider to see if you can take a temporary break without cancelling Give it a shot if you don't like it. If you you can always resubscribe. For more excellent tips on streaming TV, check out this guide to Netflix hidden tricks on our recommendations. So this is in uh, CNET. Uh, so that's some handy tips there that would also apply to us. You know, sometimes the, these stuff just works for Americans and stuff, but it's uh, it, this actually would work here as well. It's very handy. Uh, Musk Twitter not yet reached a deal to end court battle. So even though Musk is going ahead with the sale, he's said the the they haven't cancelled the the. <laughs> 
court case between the two of them, but uh, it looks like it probably will be now since the whole thing is about him changing his mind. So he's changed his mind back now, so they can uh, they can go ahead again. Uh, when will the iPhone be forced to use USB-C? EU lawmakers have voted in favour of requiring all phones to use the port. Now a USB-C iPhone could be just around the corner. It's about time as well. You know, every I know they have their own ecosystem and everything but um everyone seems to be going USB-C now and it's it's very handy so they they should try to do the same i guess uh, today, the European Parliament voted overwhelmingly in favour of new legislation that would eventually require all mobile phones sold in the EU to use a USB-C port for wired charging. Uh, the prospect rules, which lawmakers reached, and they need to do the same with uh, uh, cars as well. That they should just uh, give a universal plug for every uh, electric car as well. Uh, lawmakers reached an initial agreement on on back in June, meaning that Apple is likely to have to remove uh, the decade-old lightning connector from its phones and switch to USB-C if it wants to continue selling them uh, in one of the most lucrative global markets. The EU's aim is to reduce e-waste. If more devices are inoperable with the same cables, then... Um, the EU thinks fewer electronic devices and chargers will get thrown away. According to its estimates, every year 11,000 tonnes of uh, disposed and unused chargers end up in landfill, which it hopes these rules will reduce. Uh, it also wants to save consumers money by allowing them to reuse chargers up to $250 million, according to estimates, um, or euro, and reduce the lock-in effect of proprietary accessories. Uh, the question is, how soon will Apple be forced to make the switch? The EU's new rules, which are technically an amendment to the Radio Equipment Directive, are yet to be formally approved, although they've been given the thumbs up by the bloc's parliament. Uh, the common uh, charger legislation still needs to be signed off on by the Council of the EU and published in the EU official journal. It would then enter into force 20 days later. But uh, once that happens, companies like Apple will still effectively have a two-year grace period that's designed to ease the transition to a USB-C future. According to the European Parliament press release, this means the, the rules are likely to come in force around the end of 2024. They'll apply across the industry, regardless of manufacturer. But as the only smart, major smartphone maker yet to make the switch to USB-C, um, every single iPhone since 2012 has used a lightning connector. Apple is the company that's likely to be the b biggest impacted. Uh, Apple releases a new flagship smartphone like Clockwork in the latter half of every year, so it's safe to assume that we'll see a new iPhone likely to be called the iPhone 16 release around the same time as the rules come into effect in late 2024. But given the iPhones are tech uh, typically launched uh, in uh, September and the effects won't come into effect and for 24 months later it's uh, formally approved uh, by the European Council the iPhone 16 could end up being launched just before the new rules come into effect that would make 2025's iPhone 17 if Apple continues with its current naming convention the first model forced to use the USB-C for wired charging hopefully they'll just do it sooner just do it on the next model uh, Ireland has been voted the friendliest country in Europe. Oh, that's nice. Condé Nast Travel Magazine uh, puts Portugal at number two, whilst Greece is number three. 
the website with 16 million monthly unique visitors also voted Dublin as the sixth most friendly city in Europe with San Sebastian in Spain coming in at, as the top spot uh, so that's very good I'd agree with that. <laughs> uh, iPhone 14 Pro cameras versus iPhone 13 Pro. Yes, there is a difference. Here's how the newer hardware and software affect. So is there a big difference uh, between the old and the new? Uh, the iPhone 14 Pro has several camera system improvements that has led to stellar reviews, including a 48 megapixel sensor and Apple's new image processing technique called the phonetic engine. Uh, the, Im- this immediately puts the iPhone 14 Pro at an advantage over last year's 13 Pro and Pro Max, at least on paper. But how big a difference do, does the new hardware and software features actually make in the real world? I compare the cameras on both phones in a range of challenging situations around San Francisco to find out. All these photos were taken. So this is an article in CNET, and so they, they take some photos with the different ones. Um, the, the new ones capture more detail on the front, uh, the hardware front. The biggest change between the two phones is the 14 Pro's new 48 megapixel sensor on the main wide camera uh, that also f- is also physically larger than the older iPhone, which makes just as much difference to the photo quality as the increase in megapixels. The 13 Pro uses a 12 megapixel sensor. Yeah, so it was about time that they went up from 12 megapixels. Uh, but I know... Like a lot of these cameras are using 100 megapixel cameras and all that, sensors and all that. But the resulting photos are 12 megapixel anyway. So, but it does help uh, to have a bigger um, a bigger sensor and use pixel binning and things like that to make, a, to make an even cleaner uh, photo, dumping out some of the, the unneeded pixels and kind of condensing it into a, into a more clean... Um, more clean effects. So they've they've upped the megapixels and uh, they've increased the hardware and they've renewed the software. So that's how they've improved from the previous. But apparently, iPhones have always been pretty good camera wise. Anyway, they've always uh, been up there. It's taken the likes of the Google Pixel to kind of try to catch up to them, and the likes of the Samsung Galaxy Ultras and things like that with huge megapixels. But a lot of those are just the I, I you know I've been reading a little bit about it lately like that the final photos are still not they're not 100 megapixel photos and things with a lot of them they're only 12 or or so megapixel photos in the end but it, it just uses as much hardware as possible to, to kind of make as as good a, a, me, a 12 megapixel photo as possible uh, Spotify buys Dublin based Kinzen uh, so this is from RT uh, Science and Technology um, audio streaming service Spotify said today it has bought Ireland this was a day or two ago yesterday it was uh, bought Ireland based Kinzen a company that has helped uh, it identify harmful content on the platform Kinzen was founded by Mark Little and Anya Kerr uh, today's deal is part of Spotify's efforts to deal with harmful content which may crop up on its service. Uh, Dublin-based Kinzen has been working with Spotify since 2020, initially focusing on the integrity of election-based content. Since then, Kinzen's remit has expanded to include targeting what they regard as misinformation and disinformation. Kinzen offers a combination of tools and expertise to help us better understand the content on our platform and emerging abuse trends, says Sarah Hoyle, Spotify's head of trust and safety. Uh, Terms of the deal were not disclosed. Uh, So, 
Yeah, that's a, a boost for an Irish company. Uh, the biggest Pixel 6 frustrations that Google should fix in the Pixel 7. So, yeah, there were a few complaints about the Pixel 6. So let's see uh, if they're going to sort them out in the next one, which will be announced soon. Um, often run hot, have weaker signals than other flagships, among other hardware quirks. Uh, the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro might be Google's fastest-selling Pixels to date, uh, but they haven't uh, been what I'd consider a slam dunk in hardware. Uh, I'm not talking about the aesthetics here. Uh, I'm a fan of the camera bar look. Personally, I though I detest the curved displays to each their own. Looking at the big picture... I think Pixel 6 and 6 Pro are amongst the best phones that Google has made. The camera is superb for stills and the tensor chip, voice typing and dictation capabilities are genuinely next level. But they're not without some faults. Google has successfully tackled many of the early software bugs, but some lingering hardware concerns remain. Uh, the Tensor chip runs hot, so that's one of the complaints. The Pixel 6 sometimes uh, runs warm. It doesn't take an intense workload to get them feeling like hand warmers after 20 minutes or so. Even normal tasks or casual apps like TikTok can turn the temperature. Uh, well, TikTok is <laughs> probably running 10 things in the background on your phone that you don't know about as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, TikTok, TikTok is, is uh, an app that uh, does a lot of stuff uh, like can access your microphone and access your camera and things like that. Uh, you, know, you have to read the terms of service when it comes to TikTok. But uh, that could be why it runs phones hot as well. But in general, anyway, they, they say the temperature is quite hot uh, on the Tensor chip. It's not a great look when Samsung and Apple devices stay relatively cool nearly at all times. And the Pixel 6 can get warm for seemingly no reason. Actually, speaking of Samsung, um, there was a, a, a kind of a famous YouTuber. Uh, he put out a video during the week about Samsung's. He collects all, like he's a phone reviewer. So he has hundreds of phones. So what he does is he has like a shelf built where they all stand up uh, like a, a wardrobe of phones uh, and all old phones. And he was looking through some of his older phones going back like five or six years or more. And he noticed some of them were bulging. And it happens sometimes batteries get older or uh, batteries get degraded and they start to swell, which can be dangerous. So, And he, he picked out uh, the phone that was swollen and he noticed there was another one, another one. And he had like, I don't know, a bunch of phones and almost all of the phones that were that had like deformed batteries that were swelling up and things like that were all Samsung. And uh, he contacted some other kind of reviewers that would handle a lot of phones and would have a lot of phones in their archive. And uh, it was quite similar with somebody. Now there was other phones as well that had problems, but by and large, a lot of them said that there was the, the Samsung's batteries and some phones were only one like one or two or three years old and they were already swelling up. Uh, he sent them back to Samsung and they didn't he didn't get any reply from them. He was still waiting to see what they would say about it. Uh, but uh, that is a, a problem that happens with older Samsungs, according to this uh, MKBH. No, not MKBH, the uh, Mr. Who's the Boss YouTuber. He's quite a big, very good, actually, tech YouTuber. But Google has gradually addressed this problem over time. 
and uh, the, they're hoping that that will be sorted out. The Pixel 6 display is a considerable step down from the 6 Pros, uh, so they're hoping that the display might be not as big a difference between the 7 and 7 Pro. And Google needs to fix the signal strength. That's another thing. Faster charging would be nice as well. They had fa- uh, 30 watt fast charging, so they're hoping for at least double that. Uh, and about the finger sc- fingerprint scanner, personally, I haven't had many issues or misread with under display fingerprint sensor on the Pixel 6 Pro, but I know many people have had. Uh, so that's some of the things they want to fix. And that's pretty much as much I have as I have time to cover today. I have a few more stories, but I won't have time now. Uh, but I hope you've enjoyed Tech Thursday. As always, you can call 069-66200 or you can text or WhatsApp 0871-669800. And you can always email myself, patrick102fm at gmail.com. This has been Tech Thursday and I have been Patrick Sheehan. I'll join you again next week. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. You're listening to Tech Thursday on West Limerick 102 FM.